Hello and welcome to The Dirty Side. I am one of your co-hosts, Luke, and I'm joined by... Keon. How are you tonight, Keon? I'm actually pretty good. Uh, pretty yeah. decent mood. Yeah, pretty decent mood. I, I feel a little jaunty. A little jaunty? Oh, well, we have a new world champion crowned uh, a few hours ago. Why are you jaunty? Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely not the reason for my jaunt. <laughs> it's not the reason. No, it's not the reason for anyone to be jaunty, actually. <laughs> Let's, um, let's let's actually talk about yeah one of my one of my favorite English words jaunty. Uh, it's it's a, explain for our listeners something that I actually only ever really hear on you know Sky Sports F one broadcasts. It's um, I guess they okay they used it to describe Christian Horner's mood after qualifying in Mexico. Um, right. There were you know the, those segments where you've got like Paul Deresta, aka Voldemort, yes, and Johnny Herbert and. Um, I don't know if Martin Brundle was with them, but there, I think actually he was. There was three of them uh, on the track. And uh, they were like, oh, look, who's, look who just uh, exited the, uh, the, the Red Bull, whatever, Red Bull headquarters, and is coming towards us with a sly, mischievous look on his face. It's Christian Horner. <laughs> He's in a jaunty mood, especially because his two drivers just locked out the front row. Um, and yeah, they were, they were right. Like Christian Horner just came out looking, looking like he was, you know... Up to no good. Just yeah. wanted to like throw his weight around and sort of gloat. Certainly no argy bargy from him. Oh yeah, that's the other word that I love, argy bargy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still don't even know what it means. Do you know what it means? Argy bargy, I believe. It, uh, Does it just mean like dodgy? Argy bargy, just like fucking bullshit. I don't know. It just like. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's not true. No, but anyway, no, yeah. I don't so know. Christian Horner, Christian Horner, like just bounded out of the room, almost like skipping, and um, just ready to like you know uh, extol the virtues of the of their car and their team and how they're doing so amazing, and was just really happy with the results. Yeah. So um, you know, let's let's talk about that result. I mean, we it's been a really long time since we've seen a Red Bull lockout of the front row. I think yeah. it's been since 2013 or 2013, something. 2013, you're correct. It's uh, yeah, 2013 since. Red Bull locked it out. Um, I probably believe that that would have been uh, Vettel and um, what's his <laughs> his Weber. Weber. Yeah. Um, Your countryman, actually. Yeah, my countryman, Mark Weber. Um, but yeah, it, it's it seemed like that the Red Bulls were going going to be strong uh, for this for this track. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, you know corners where. Um, a, a high arrow is to support that, which is what the Red Bull package has. Um, I don't. I don't even know if it's corners that require arrow that in the traditional sense. I think it's because of the altitude and the lack of air. The uh, extreme performance, like downforce performance of the Red Bull car, is actually bringing the car, bringing the Red Bulls to like a normal level of downforce, where all the other co uh, cars are kind of like suffering. So if you're ahead in arrow. Because Mexico's so crap for air, basically. Yeah, it's it not kind good. of it's they're like the only team that can make their you know tires stick to the road. Yeah, I I actually lived in Mexico City for a little bit, and uh, 
Oh, I almost had a uh, an asthma attack every time I woke up. It's not. <laughs> it's not a. Uh, the air isn't clean. It's uh, so shrouded did, by. Did me- you have a lot of problems with graining too? Yeah, I did. I you know my my feet grained so much. <laughs> <laughs> Your shoe soles. Yeah, yeah the yeah. sole of my life actually. Doing but, too much moonwalking. Yeah, without yeah. enough downforce. But it's 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 really interesting. The the, the track I wanted to point out was uh, part of the track actually has like an old baseball diamond with the with the uh, with the state. And, and when they did the aerial shots, you can see it, yeah, and it does look pretty cool. It, However, it doesn't allow. It looks, it looks for, cool. It looks cool, and it looks absurd. Yeah, it like it allows for very good uh, from a fan's perspective to see these the the cars do like a kind of a, a slow sort of like gradual couple of turns like. Yeah, good for a spectator, not good for a driver. And all the drivers complain about it, but it is interesting to see that you can tell where the baseball diamond well, and that was. I, uh, I think it's only good in the sense that you can get more spectators able to view the cars but like if you get more people to view racing which is less exciting or like turns which are low speed what is the point I guess it's to sell tickets, right? Like, there's no Absolutely. other, there's no other Absolutely. reason. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's to sell, it's to sell tickets, and it's a, yeah. All it does is it, just a slow little winding, yeah, like just, couple it, it of feels, turns. It feels like it's like, like a racetrack, and then and then that whole section is just tacked on. Yeah, it, it's it's it which, is a little strange. Which, to be honest, is like most of Montreal. A kind of like an uh, well, that part of the track is underwhelming, kind of like the race today. But uh, yeah. I mean, let, let's get into qualifying. Yeah. So. I guess the first thing to say is all the teams, whenever they do the the interviews um, at, after the practice sessions and after qualifying, before and after qualifying, drivers are always like essentially saying, yep, you know, it's, uh, I think it was Vettel this time who said it's typical Mexico, no grip, you know, like no, none of the drivers really enjoy this track. Nobody ever comes out and says, oh, I love driving here. I mean, other than say Max would be like, he won he, you know, he enjoys it for that reason, yeah. but like no one, people might like going to Mexico, um, but no one really enjoys this track because it's not, it's not very physically demanding. So it's not like a challenge physically. It's even, even technically, it's not very technically demanding. There's not like a lot of really cool high speed corners. No. It's just basically it's the, all of the, it's like forcing the drivers all to, to race on, you know, <clears throat> ice. It's just that's, a, that's what it feels yeah. like. It's purely. I think that race is just put. There. It was put back on the calendar. I, I think because Perez. Well, because has, Mexicans, um, there's a lot of Formula One fans in Mexico. It's a big market. Yeah, like you said, it doesn't doesn't really throw up much. It's not really technical. It's not really. Be- it's not in a well, beautiful okay. Part. It does. It does offer one thing though. It does <clears throat> offer one thing. Uh, in theory, it offers one thing, which is closer racing, and that's actually what Ricardo said after the um, after qualifying, I believe, or maybe it was even before. It was after FP3. He said that uh, it could be, yeah, he, he said it could be a six-way uh, fight for pole, and he was he was basically correct. So, mm. so like the... I don't it, know, a six-way? Maybe a four-way. <clears throat> well, when, if we... He said it could be. I'm not saying after qualifying. Yeah. But um, the, pro- the problem is, uh, well, the problem and the advantage is the altitude uh, really fucks with the performance of, <laughs> of the engines, right? It, do- it does, it does. Yeah, so, so I, was, I was trying to figure out why... Yeah. Why does the altitude make make a difference? And uh, the explanation was that all the the engines are really reliant on fuel on on intake, air intake, and fuel intake. And there's just no air at high altitude. There's less air, so it's difficult physically for athletes, you know, high altitude, but also for the cars. They're just not getting enough enough air to perform, and that somehow reduces the gap between uh, the performance gap between. The different uh, engine engine manufacturers, but what I don't understand is that, okay, like if the, the top cars are worse because they're not getting as much air, aren't the cars that are 
a little bit less good, even worse. Yeah, it, that's what I don't understand. <clears throat> don't they all get shifted down? Like, why does it bring them closer up a together? Good point. Yeah, um, I don't. I can't answer that. Game. But yeah, for whatever reason, um, it does always kind of narrow the performance gap between the top teams and the middle teams, which and is good. Which is good for which yeah. is good for racing. It's, it was actually really cool to see you know the results and the, the Renaults were doing really well in the early practice sessions and the Salbers were doing unbelievably yeah. well. Yeah, so so that so that part of it is cool. The other issue is um, the teams have no idea what to do with the tires because like the Pirelli just can't bring tires that do well here because. Um, there's not enough downforce and so the car and it's usually hot I mean it was not that hot during the race I think but, but did, um, because it, there's not enough downforce that they're not sticking to the road it, enough and so they're sliding the whole race it did rain didn't it um, I think there's a spot of rain during the uh, towards the end of the race to, to, no in, in, in practice, oh, in practice was, yeah. yeah there yeah. was a bit of rain and that so they didn't have a lot of data on the tires yeah. either but which I actually would, reminds <laughs> me of this whole this whole thing that Ross Braun b- brought up which was Austin was awesome because the none of the teams got to gather any data during practice because it was raining the whole time so it was so much more unpredictable and that's why the teams were closer and yeah. people are saying we should ban practice and I agree I mean it would reduce costs if they didn't do practice Oh absolutely it would reduce costs but then also you wonder like little hiccups that they have in terms of like, let's say the top, let's say a Ferrari and a Mercedes and let's say the Mercedes are struggling or have got a, a particular issue where they're not really competitive at that, that, that track. Those practices then can, they, they can make up that gap then to be a competitive car, a qualifying, mm-hmm. right? And you just mm-hmm. wonder, there's arguments for both sides of it. I, I would say keep the practices, but maybe reduce the amount mm-hmm. of time allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I, would- I, I like so I like uh, I like this this the um, the altitude element of Mexico because it brings the engines engine performance closer together. But I really don't like the way. I mean, maybe they should. I mean, they just need to run more um, support races so they can rubber in the track a little bit better. Because it's just like you, we see in Montreal that there's tons of support races before you know the Formula One race. Maybe that would help. They just got to figure out how to make. The car is like grippier or yeah. I don't know, allow something because like really like every single car was just skating around and it's just not, it's not even cool to watch. No, when I mean, we saw the two Mercedes in the race, how they both had a, uh, a parallel slide. Uh, oh, well, yeah, they, they flat spotted, but, but they were both, um, that, that was, we we're getting ahead of ourselves, but they were defending yeah. in that point, right? Yeah, that's true. Yes. So, but it just seems like there's, yeah, no grip and like Mm. even Hamilton and others were commenting how the track was getting better as qualifying did get on though. I do. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's typically, that's how it's supposed to go. Right. So, so so let's, let's do a quick wrap up of, uh, qualifying. We don't even really need to do a wrap up just to say that, yeah, Red Bull, uh, showed a lot of pace initially and then it looked like Ferrari and Mercedes figured something out before qualifying and they were actually taking the fight to them and even Christian Horner got on the radio saying yeah I don't know if we'll be able to do it because we don't know how much uh, Ferrari and Mercedes have left you know um, yeah. in reserve in terms of like their engine modes he also said that they would need to after like Q2 he said that they're going to need uh, something extraordinary from his drivers for Q3 so I think he thought that the, that were probably tapped out and that yeah, it was I, completely I, up to the drivers to then go we well, need no, you to it sounded, it sounded like Red Bull were definitely tapped out but yeah. I, I think he, and, he felt that Ferrari and Mercedes had something in reserve yeah and he said that if, if Red Bull got any chance of maybe having a lockout that that was the, that it's going to be up to the drivers and uh 
it certainly... Uh, yeah, and it certainly uh, was, right? It certainly was. I mean, Ricardo uh, gained four tenths. Like, first off, having Verstappen <laughs> on provisional pole <laughs> and then uh, having Ricardo four tenths on his flying lap was just absolutely incredible to watch. It took me by total surprise, but uh, nice to see Danny, you know, uh, locking out. And he was so happy, wasn't he? Yeah, um, well... <laughs> His happiness was in contrast to Max because so Max like dominated all the <laughs> yeah. practice sessions, every practice session. And he looked like he was putting a stamp on every session and qualifying too. And he really like threw down the gauntlet in, in on his first run in Q3, set, a, set an amazing time. And, and he was like on provisional pole and everyone was like, oh, are they going to have to chase that? Are they going to be able to do it, et cetera? And somehow... Daniel Ricardo, and he like uh, he kind of sucked in sector one, and he was able to kick so much ass in sectors two and three. Yeah, especially in actually, sector three. Yeah, that he actually like he was on pole by I, I don't know what was it twenty six thousandths of a second or something yeah. like that. And um, I actually watched it again because I was like, that's it seems kind of strange. And I looked at the times, and I don't I believe actually Max did not improve in his second run in Q three. So what happened was Ricardo beat his first. Uh, Q3 run. Yeah. And but I, what I also want to point out, Keon, like, did you feel the Vettel uh, kind of now that Ferrari has reverted back to what their other uh, system and package was, that Vettel was much more competitive, able, he was like, it looked like he was just... Yeah, Vettel, he, Vettel had a good weekend. Yeah, he yeah. had a really good weekend. It seemed like he was practicing good. Yeah. He also I mean, honestly, was qualifying it, it, well. It, it's strange for us to actually have to say this, but it was kind of shocking for us to watch Vettel drive the way we know he can without um, <laughs> slamming wheels against someone and spinning out, doing doing like a little pirouette. Because yeah. he's been making so many mistakes lately and he actually really didn't make any mistakes this race and he drove really, really well. And, and I just wonder now that because now he's this has been the second week since they have reverted back to what they they had before uh, or just after the summer break or just before with their package, you're wondering now if he's just fine, if he have just finding his groove again and you're just like, oh, holy, holy shit, was it really Ferrari and maybe not him and he was just struggling to deal with, no, no, with this? No, no, I think, no. I think it's a combination. Like Ferrari didn't yeah. make any mistakes and the car is getting better by, I mean, um, I haven't read that much uh, technical information between Austin and Mexico, so I'm not sure what's happened, but I don't think they have enough time to really make that many adjustments. But we know that in Austin they were competitive again because they literally just took two steps back and said, let's let's reset the car to essentially to Belgium. Yeah. So um, the car is more competitive, but also Vettel, um, I mean, Vettel has himself to blame for the mistakes that have happened in, you know, recent races. And this time he didn't make any mistakes. You can't really blame his clashes, his wheel to wheel clashes in the last few races on the fact that the Ferrari was slow, right? That's not the, no, but you can blame some of the strategy that was, that was inputted, like some of the qualifying, right? Some of their, their issues, like, you know, he had to start the race from like a fifth and, and, you know, and then that means he would have certain bad duels that probably wouldn't have happened had they not cocked up his qualifying but yeah. it's just interesting it was it was kind of nice to see Vettel back even though like I know you're not his biggest fan but also just mm -hmm. to see him back in it racing to what we know that he can do it was nice to see that yeah I'm not, I'm not definitely not his biggest fan but I was actually you know I was rooting for him to win this race because I want to see more races till the end that actually matter and now that the 
drivers' championship uh, has been settled. Uh, we really only have the constructors left, and like a few sort of lingering threads, like oh, I wonder if this team is going to be able to beat this team, or is this yeah. person going to be able to get another podium? But like, you know, at the end of the day, uh, what people really care about is the title fight, and now it's over. I mean, I think um, it was Vettel at least gave us an exciting race, right? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, but just to quickly, just to quickly <clears throat> recap, um, qualifying. I wanted to bring up something that was quite, I found it pretty humorous. So Ricardo's had like terrible luck lately, um, obviously. Um, he's had so many DNFs and ended up unfortunately DNFing this race as well. But he was he was off the pace compared to, to Max um, in every session. And Max really thought he had pull and he, he, he pulled this lap out of Zass, essentially surprised the hell out of everyone. It was really nice to see him celebrating and kind of feeling on top of the world with his like cheesy mustache that he grew for this race or grew for Austin as well. Um, it was just kind of a feel good moment to, to see him, you know, on pole. Yeah. And then by contrast, he, he pulls into park Ferme into first position and, um, he's like, you know, mugging for the camera, his helmet's not even off and he's making all these like faces and stuff. And then they, they show the second Red Bull pull into the spot that says like number two and Max didn't even try to break for that little that little sign, he like literally <laughs> yeah. on purpose slammed into it like a like a petulant child. Yeah, well, that's what he is, little Maxie. And it was really funny when they asked when they asked Christian Horner about it, and, and Christian was like, "Well, you know what? At the end of the day, Ricardo had the same car, and he drove a little bit faster. So yeah. you know, totally totally deserved it." Yeah, I mean, uh, but I mean, Christian Horner is not going to be upset at a one-two. I don't think he really cares what the order is. No, 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 because it, that's the big bosses. I mean, Helmut, Marco, and that. Yeah, they, just they really care about um, being like a firm third in the constructors and yeah. winning as many races as possible. Exactly. It doesn't matter what the proportion is for them. No, it doesn't matter. Like you said, it's it's about their brand winning. So yeah. whether or not it's Verstappen or or Ricciardo, it doesn't matter. But. And I just wanted to point out also the the Renaults qualifying sixth or seventh. Does it? Do you think that's a promising sign for Ricardo? No, no. Uh, and the reason is because they, I think the the altitude really flattered them. Yeah, um, you think, think that that was yeah. altitude? And do you think it flattered the Salvas too? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it, it, basically the gap the gaps were just reduced. Like everything has just shrunk together. Like you know the garbage compactor scene in the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. One thing's for sure: we're all going to be a lot thinner. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that. I'm gonna see because if Renault again because this is the second week in a row that Renault have qualified in that seventh, eighth, sixth position, mm -hmm. and uh, I just want I'm I'm gonna look eagerly at next week's qualifying in Interlagos and and see mm -hmm. if Renault can bring that. Uh, and, and like you said, if it if it is a like you said uh, an issue with um, where the track was and all the altitude, or, yeah. or if it actually is a, a developmental. Uh, progression well, honestly, for like, look at look at Stoffel Van Dorn. He scored points this race. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's just that's not. You can't tell me. Oh yeah, no, Stoffel's a good driver. It's just he's had bad luck. No, he's he's been terrible. He's been crap all year. And I know there's conspiracy theories that say that Alonso is getting all the good parts and all the shit parts are going to Stoffel. And I, like, I, I would know. I would agree with that because you know what. It, Alonso is is known for completely splitting and and deconstructing a team into fucking like the rebels versus the fucking Galactic Empire. He he will split a team yeah, like well, a if, he, if he's the Galactic Empire, yeah. I mean, it just seems like uh, I, I all I'm saying is that I wouldn't be surprised if if all the parts were going to Alonso if he was shipping him fucking surreptitiously through his fucking little <laughs> fucking mail uh, thing. 
I can't believe you said Galactic Empire. Like who, like what? Did you read the novelization of Star Wars or something? Because that's the, literally the only place they call it the Galactic Empire. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I finished reading it last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I do think it, the result flattered the, the midfield teams. But let's just, um, I think that's you know enough about qualifying. Yeah, so Red let's Bull, get on to the Yeah, Red Bull locked out the front row. And then we had, uh, you know, we had some, some angry... Um, uh, Ferrari drivers and Mercedes drivers behind them, hoping to achieve something. Uh, I think Hamilton was uh, third. Correct. Yeah. yeah, Hamilton was third with a decent time, but right. And then it was uh, Vettel, Bottas, and Raikkonen. Yeah, um, and, and then so we flash forward to the start of the race, and we were all wondering, uh oh, are uh, Max and Ricardo are going to take each other out again? Well, yeah, we were, we were talking about it, and we were <laughs> both on the edge of our seats. We we're watching it together when we came on, and it was. Uh, yeah, Under fucking well, me. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, compared to like last, uh, compared to the start at Austin, like yeah. it was okay. So there was a little bit of excitement for me because I didn't expect Hamilton to be surging forward. So you know that that took me by yeah, yeah, that was like a, a galloping like they don't galactic, normally get, Galactic Empire <laughs> ship like they, they racing don't normally, through space. Yeah, they don't normally get those kinds of like hyperspace starts, <laughs> and uh, and it was yeah, it was kind of yeah, it was it was surprising. Um, yeah, but and but that Max just shows was able to. Like, you know, power. Max was able to um, put his car where he wanted to be and hold off all of the, the mayhem behind. And actually, when was the last time we had a start where uh, there wasn't like a massive shunt in turn two, uh, you know, with some back markers or midfield drivers? It was literally forever until we had a safety car in this race. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there was like some incidental touching on that first corner, but nothing like to the extent where it was causing the virtual safety car or, or a actual safety car but it was just like it was probably one of the first times that max was able to have a bit of a duel without fucking it up for himself or the other driver <laughs> so well done to, to max he, he he well you mean at the start well max is actually really good at the start when he's at the back yeah but i mean I, i'm trying to think of times when max starts near the front and keeps his nose clean like i think a, a lot of times he might like touch with another driver and they'll come off worse and he'll survive. But this was actually, it was, you know, he raced hard and he, you know, stayed, well, he actually, he, he jumped Ricardo. Uh, yeah. Ricardo so. kind of had a brain fart sort of start. It was, uh, yeah, I don't, it, I don't know. It was I, I don't, kind th- of I don't know if you could call Weber. it a brain fart. It just wasn't, uh, it wasn't a great start. Yeah. Well, what happened? I mean, it was kind of like how Weber, Weber would qualify on pole. Weber was a, a qualifying maestro, but then his starts were just abhorrent. Like, really bad and you would be like what are you doing Weber you've qualified second you've qualified on pole but he would always get leapfrogged and I find that that it doesn't always happen with Daniel but I I, I think that it happens more often than not mm-hmm. when when he qualifies it, it just didn't seem I I don't know it, it seemed like Max was Max was very hungry he was obviously pissed that he didn't get the pole and uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. he wanted like to he make was, sure he that so he, angry. Yeah, he and we did we didn't actually bring that up but like he was um essentially on track to break the record for the youngest pole sitter. Because what is he, 21? I think he's 21. Yeah, he just turned uh, 21. Like. Yeah, so he was, I mean, that would that would be a significant achievement. And he, by all rights, he could have, should have got it. Um, he was very fast all weekend. He had a superior car. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, he was yeah. hit by Ricardo. So he he was hungry. He yeah. was not. Apparently, after the race, he actually said in an interview that he uh, he didn't sleep too well last night. He was probably tossing and turning, and like smoke was coming out of his ears. <laughs> and he was like, he had a voodoo doll with Ricardo's face and just jamming it, pens in it or something. It wouldn't surprise me. But it was funny. I mean, even like 
Lewis said, uh, it was quoted as saying, if you saw me going into turn one, I, I didn't give Max a hard time. He said that with like a cheeky smile. Like, and if you rewatch it, you could sort of see that Lewis knew what the whole sort of race meant. He was having the world championship in mind. If this was, uh, let's say, eight, nine races ago, I think we would have had a very different start. But because the riding was on the wall in terms of the championship, mm-hmm. Lewis just knew that he needed to finish above seventh. Yeah, he said, and, he even said afterwards that he... Um, and that's all not he that he gave do. Not that he gave Max a wide berth, but he, he definitely didn't, uh, didn't want to do anything stupid. He actually said, I've been around for a long time. I've raced a lot of races. Yeah. I know, I know when to push and not, when not to push. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, you just wonder that uh, had it been maybe like, let's say before the summer break or just after that that could have been, you know, a a very different kind of situation between those two drivers. So another thing that happened um, during the race, they kind of like settled into their positions. Uh, There wasn't a lot of jostling around, uh, not a lot of contact in the beginning. But something that strange that did that we that we noticed happened is that somehow a Renault got in front of uh, Kimi. Um, it was fairly early on, and I th- I believe it was Carlos Sainz because he was actually running in front of Hulkenberg, and um, that was really surprising. I don't know how that happened. We, it was almost like um, they didn't really. It wasn't televised that the pass. It was just yeah. shown in the replay, not the actual pass, but the position like or halfway through the pass. But it didn't last very long. Because uh, Kimmy took the position back, and then there, so they were basically still holding position for a really, really long time, and then really it just became a race about. And I was, uh, I was afraid of this too. I was really hoping for some mayhem at the start. We didn't really get that, and it just turned into kind of a tire strategy race. Yeah, it was like a pit stop uh, tire strategy sort type of race. Which yeah, was... but but I feel like almost like, and I mentioned this during the race, during the um, the actual broadcast when we were watching it. It's feels like this should be a tire race so not a lot of overtaking but the teams just don't have enough wiggle room with the tires because all of the tires are so absolute shit at this track like they're all destroying their tires doesn't matter what they choose or what they try to do they're they're variations on the same theme of garbage yeah i mean like it was interesting to see mercedes really struggled today with their tires and uh like Lewis was, you know, saying yeah, they, that they struggled. Had, they struggled worse saying, than every other team. Is saying that, oh, we, I got no grip. There's nothing left in the tires. He was saying so. Like Mercedes struggled really badly. Um, I would say that Ferraris, comparatively, they did well on the tires. Um, yeah, they they actually they did had, better. They, I, I think they did better. Yeah. Um, but a lot they, of teams struggled. Yeah. Like you're saying, it, it was uh, especially, and it was that was kind of like my only uh, guiding hope for today was that like Lewis's tires would degrade so much that he would fucking slip yeah. and flip yeah. the car and crash. Well, he out. almost did. He almost did. Yeah, remember was, he actually when he was trying to defend. Um, I think he was defending from Ricardo. Yeah. And he got, he locked up and he actually went off onto the grass and we were, we were, you know, n- you know, not in, not in the way that we, we wish any driver to, uh, actually, you know, hit the barriers at high speed, but we were just hoping he would carry a little too much momentum and, uh, clip his tires on the barrier yeah, and his car not, would be out of the race. We're not talking about him being comatose no, no. for three years, but <laughs> no, like we're no. talking about him just to knock off his front ring and yeah, no, being, we, and for him to have his race be over. I, I, I was actually hoping uh, cause I thought, okay, he, when he went off track, uh, I thought that maybe something happened 
to the you know to his car maybe his suspension failure or something wrong with well the, the hydraulics failed yeah. on Bottas's car remember so I yeah. was thinking that there was a hydraulics failure and I'm like yes motherfucker yeah. but uh, yeah so it, no didn't, it, didn't, it didn't it didn't actually happen <laughs> yeah. yeah so actually so what happened was uh, they uh, Hamilton was just complaining for most of this race he was on the radio just being a little being a little bitch uh, about his tires. <laughs> well, I'd and, be scared too if I was about to be crown world champion and, and I was having no grip on a track that had no altitude. Yeah, he was like, guys, <laughs> guys, these tires, these tires are, are shit. Like I have to I have to stop. And so he stopped early and Mercedes actually um, decided to do a double stack. And, um, and that was on like lap 11, wasn't it? It was uh, lap 12. Lap yeah. 12. And right. they both put it literally like... Um, like one after the other on the yeah. same lap. So like the crew had like two sets ready and Hamilton pulled out and immediately Bottas pulled into the box. Like it was actually really well coordinated. I haven't seen a double stop like that since, um, <laughs> since Red Bull, um, <laughs> since Red Bull in Baku actually, yeah. when they did like an opportunistic double stop and they actually did really well. And then Ricardo and, and, uh, and Max ended well, up taking each other out. But yeah, yeah so, so Mercedes no stopped choice. early. They had no choice because they, their, their tires were degrading so much that they, for some reason the, the Mercedes was just – and it wasn't the – you can't say that it was either of their driving styles because we've seen them go long no, stints. They, they messed something up in the – like something about the car or the setup just wasn't It wasn't – yeah, it wasn't agreeing with the tires and uh, yeah. They and they're to, all – yeah, it's just – I don't know. I find it – it's surprising to me that we now have a series with like a spec tire – uh, and have for quite a while. Like it's been years since the whole Michelin Bridgestone thing. We have a spec tire and still, I don't understand why some teams understand the tires better than others. Like they all have a representative. They all have data from Pirelli. It's not like Pirelli is giving better data to one team than another. So I really just, I don't really understand Maybe. how some teams are able to understand the to tires better than others. And it varies. It varies from race to race too. Yeah, I would say it's analyst key. I would say that the the, the, the top tier teams probably have more analysts working too. No, but that, that can't be true because Mercedes like messed up this race, but they've done well in many other races, you know? I think... Uh, there's, there's been races like in Singapore when Ferrari absolutely did not understand tires at all. I mean, they may as well have been racing on like, you know, donuts. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know. I would like to have them bring back, uh, two tire suppliers. I, I, I would no, like No, no. Cause then that becomes more about like, uh, you know, one, it, it, the, the, the chance for the opportunity for a massive imbalance is too high. Like you what think we so? had, like in the Bridgestone era, that was just, those were dark days, Luke. <laughs> well, the Galactic Empire is dark. They were dark days, especially that race at Indianapolis when all of the Michelin teams like. But that was due to a safety issue, if I remember. That yeah, was, that, was mean, due to, just... that was that was tied into a safety. I'm just thinking that yeah. if they introduced refuel, what I would like no. to see. Refuel... You want to see you want to see you know men burning alive in the pit lane, right? That's what you want. <laughs> I I want to because you know what I want to see that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, who, who doesn't want a bit of Burning just, Man? Just, uh, just I like Burning Man a lot, but but I, I would just like to see. I don't know. I, I feel like that if they want to make it better, if, if Ross Bourne is saying that they're working towards making it better for the spectators, then I think they've just got to, they've got to shake something up in terms of the technical setup. So, and also I would like to point out, they've got to introduce uh, and change the point system. I mean, we were discussing mm -hmm. this earlier. Yeah. First place gets 25. Second place gets 18. Yeah, that's Third place is 15. So the gap between first and second yeah, is just big. far too it's great. Too I think what they wanted to do was actually like make first such a big deal that people will really push for wins and that, 
you know, you really like separate the men from the boys, et cetera. But I do, I don't know if, if having the same gap between first and second and second and third is a good idea, but it would definitely um, diminish. I mean, these situations, okay, so if that were the case, uh, the championship would not have been decided at this race and there would still be one more, at least one more race. Exactly for, right. right. There'd still be one more. I mean, all you need is for like like what just happened in the last yeah, couple of months is for closer. Vettel to, to not finish a race and for Hamilton to win a, like three races and he's mm-hmm. suddenly 75 points clear. Then yeah. he just manages that gap and Vettel can finish races but not win yeah. and then he just cruises to a, a, a world championship with a couple of races to go. Mm-hmm. So I think if they fix that issue, like you said we would have gone one race uh mm-hmm. we would have gone to interlagos in for the championship well, decider right i think, I think part, yeah but i think that part of the reasons that they, the reason that they have that larger gap is because they want to um eliminate sort of statistical noise and having the midfield teams accidentally leapfrog the teams that are better just because they had like one good race i think they want to make I, they just want to make it more valuable to win. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, like, I need to study this more, and I'm sure there's tons and tons and tons of internet nerds who've like got pages and pages of forum posts about this. But I, I really think that tw- 25 versus 18 is too big. At least make it 25 yeah. to 19 or yeah, something. Yeah, just just a, a little bit. And that way, when you have a driver like that, like we saw when we had Vettel going through a little uh, shit stint, like he mm-hmm. did for a month, but and then Hamilton was just winning, it, you suddenly just can't create this unprecedented gap that's almost impossible. And then it's it's just like it's just you know it's all downhill from there. And there's just like a, a, a like a, mm-hmm. you know. It's just not good. I don't. Yeah. I don't like it here. I mean, no likey. <laughs> me, me no likey either. Yeah. Um, I don't. But I also, I think, I think this whole like tire lottery thing, when we're there, people are like, oh, I don't know how the tire is going to behave. Like, I just feel that part of me thinks that you know uncertainty is good because it leads to like tighter racing. But in in this, I feel like in this race, this was an example of it go- going too far because. They uh, in Austin there was uncertainty about the, how the tires would perform, but I, th- I feel here there was uncertainty coupled with the fact that all of the tires were garbage for this track. Yeah. So nobody could really like. I mean, it, it wasn't even a case of like maximizing your time on the on the on the ultras or whatever. It literally was like everyone tried massively different strategies, and they were all not that great. The the the, the way that I see it is that if you want to have interesting um, strategy that plays a a fundamental part in a team winning a race, then you've got to have a two-pronged approach. So if you're not going to have two tire suppliers and you're only going to have one, that's fine. Introduce another concept like refueling or or, or or something else that just throws in a mix that just adds another element where the strategists have to really think about how they're going to manage this. But if it just doesn't seem, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the rule changes, like these rule changes are coming. And I hope Ross Braun really... Is is listening to fans and and understanding well, no, what I, these issues I think, are. I think I think the the improvements that are going to come um, in well even I think even next year in 2019 because there's front wing changes I believe, but the whole idea is to make it um, more possible to follow drivers uh, and not so aerodynamically not even aerodynamically costly but costly on your your tires tire degradation. So if they make it easier for uh, cars to follow each other then there is potentially more overtaking and then track position becomes less important and track position is what causes all of these huge um, points imbalances and it's like the rich get uh, richer and the poor get poorer and that's kind of what happens like when you qualify uh, towards the front on a track like Monaco or even you know Mexico 
then that's kind of like the rich, rich getting richer. And if you eliminate that, um, if you eliminate the, uh, performance sort of, um, degradation when you're in the wake of another car, then maybe that's not always going to be the case. Maybe you'll actually be able to like pass other cars in this whole, it's all tied together, right? It's tied together, like the points, the distribution of points for the different finishing positions and the tire performance. And I think it's all tied to like the arrow and following other cars. So I I don't know if you can actually point to one thing as, okay, this would make racing better, but we know that there's something, something is wrong. And we had a fantastic race like Austin. It was awesome. But it was, was but, but Austin, Austin and Monza were both almost like, Accidentally awesome. Yeah. Austin was awesome because they couldn't run in a free practice in the, in the dry. So, yeah. So I, I like, yeah, it's a, it's a combination. Like I said earlier, like limit the amount of uh, time that's allowed to, to free practice. I think as it is free practice goes on too long anyway. Yeah. Uh, like, do we really need three practice sessions? Yeah. Give like them, what the, you know what, throw them. You uh, know, I don't even want three qualifying sessions. I honestly just, <laughs> just make it two yeah. or something. Like uh, no one I, really cares in like, Q2 either. It's like, no, I do care about Q2. I, I care. I like Q2. Well, nobody, people definitely don't care about Q1. And, no, and Q- then like, yeah. So like, you can't just say, <laughs> just eliminate the, the worst cards that don't even get to qualify. You can't, it can't do that. I, I so. think the qualifying uh, method, I, I think that structure is, is good. I, I like that. How, mm. However, if, if they could fix the practices and I understand that it's usually four day weekends, except for Monaco, which is three. So you know what, just have one practice each day and shorten it. Uh, because not a lot of fans turn up for practice one and two anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really a lot of fans obviously go to qualifying and then the, obviously the race. So just have, still have your practices on the Thursday and the Friday, but just shorten them dramatically, like, uh, allow them like 20 minutes, just allow them to have kind of like qualifying, just a quick little shootout and they get a couple of laps and have that data and analytics and then, and telemetry to, to assess. But okay, so I digress. Let's, yeah, let's, we both do. Let's get back to the actual race here. Um, and talk about what happened. And uh, so we actually had the Red Bulls. I believe they pit uh, shortly after. So lap 13, I think Ricardo came in and lap 14, Max yeah. came in. Yes. Yeah. It was. Uh, and, and the uh, and the Ferraris stayed out longer, like considerably longer. Yeah. It seemed like the, the tires with uh, yeah, the Ferraris I, were able to deal with the tires <clears throat> quite well. I don't think they were. I think they were just trying to do something different. And I think Seb and Kimmy both came in on lap 17, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the longest of the first stints for most of the teams. Or yeah, they were, and so they were on fresher impressive. sets and then they were able to really push hard, which really, uh, threw up the race nicely because, um, Vettel was able to push and do some overtakes, uh, Raikkonen, not so much. Yeah. He had a, he had a quiet race. <clears throat> I mean, I do, I, I would like to point out that he right now seems to be kind of like Hamilton kind of can be sometimes, but Reckon right now seems to be the tire wizard in terms of making his tires last strategically when they need to. He's like the inverse of, of Bottas. And I was actually shocked when I looked at the end, uh, towards the end of the race, I was looking at the tire history chart and Reckon was on 55 or I believe he was on 56 laps on the super softs. Yeah. I- How do you do like almost the entire race on not the hardest tire. Like that was essentially kind of like the medium tire for this race. How do you make supers last 56 laps? That's just crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, mean, Hamilton, Hamilton finished behind Raikkonen, right? So, I mean, and there was, 
a bit of a gap between them. I mean, Hamilton didn't obviously Hamilton's race was just like a Sunday cruise down the French Riviera, essentially. I don't, I don't think I don't think that's true. I don't think his his race was a was a cruise because he was on the radio angry. He all was the a, time being yeah, like, what are, you, what are you talking about, Ricardo? How did he just take a second out of the gap? I just did a 21.8. And his engineer was like, yeah, and, and he did a 20.8. So he's a second faster than you. But he didn't, it, it was, I think he was ha- Hamilton's anger was that he needed, he wanted to be on the podium. That yeah. was where his anger was yeah. coming from, right? Yeah. In terms of everything, I think he just had to go, all right, well, I, I know that I'm going to be world champion, but he was just pissed that he couldn't be on that podium. And fair enough, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you want be crowned world champion. You want to be on, on top of that podium saying hello to mm-hmm. everybody. And we owe it to, I mean, we basically owe it to Ricardo and, well, later Kimmy when Ricardo retired. Uh, so we, both of them were, were critical in that because if uh, Kimmy hadn't also been able to sort of get up there, then Hamilton would be third. So, I mean, it's really cool that they prevented him from getting on the podium. Yeah, it just... I uh, mean, to me, it was just like Hamilton was so dominant this year. I understand that he wanted to win uh, by by appearing on the podium, and I kind of wanted him to as well. That's why I wanted to it's wanted befitting. to go yeah. another race. I didn't want it to be decided in this race. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but can like, we talk about so touch actually? On you remember when when Ricardo's engineer was uh, ta- was sort of coaching Ricardo through and saying when Ricardo was chasing Hamilton down, saying uh, uh, Hamilton, you know, might, might might be having some graining, and then he actually told him Hamilton's left front is. Angry. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was um, awesome. Should we touch uh, briefly on Ricardo? Like poor Rick, he's just had his. Uh, yeah, I don't even, like I don't even know briefly. DNFs, like it was actually one of the most most DNFs for the year has gone to Ricardo. Yeah, eight, eight DNFs. It's uh, it's, it's ridiculous. A, it's appalling. It's totally appalling. And I know, like, obviously, we're not sabotaging his car. Like that, that's ridiculous. They they want to win as many points as possible. And maybe they're not sharing the most data with him and they don't want to let him like test for Renault and Abu Dhabi after the, the end of the season. But they're doing their best for him as well. And uh, there is, it's just, to me, it seems, I know Max has had some problems. He's definitely had some retirements, but it's, I think it's like, I don't, I don't know what the proportion is. He's had a few. Ricardo's now had eight DNFs. It's a lot of which DNFs. Is, it's, and <laughs> is it just me or is that a lot of DNFs? Yeah, it's a lot of DNFs, Keon. Yeah, but, so, it, it's, but it's not only that he's had more compared to his driver. He's had the most DNFs in in this this season. So we're talking... Of anyone, yeah. Yeah, of anyone. So we're not talking... I mean, this should be going to like the Toro Rossos with the Honda engines or the McLarens with yeah. their... Like the, these should be the lower rung well, teams who are having all these DNFs. Why is well, it we, one of the top know, tier teams? We know have- we know that it's, it's strange that Red Bull's having, having so many problems like mechanical failures, et cetera. And, oh, is it the Renault engine or is it the way that they're... You know, hooking up the engine is the electronics. It's a, maybe all of these things, but how come it's not more evenly distributed between Max's car and, and Danny's car? Like that's just fucked up, man. Yeah, it is. It is a little fucked up, but uh, it's, it's not normal. Like it's ATNFs. Is it's like it's become, it's just become like a cruel joke. And we really feel for him when he when he when he was like yelling into his helmet, which I, I wasn't even last race. It was I think it was before Austin, right? There was a Suzuka. It was at Suzuka and, where and he then, just screamed right, like yeah. a. And in Austin, he was like having the such emperor a good, from the Galactic <laughs> Empire. <laughs> he, was, he was having such a good time in Austin, and then then his car just like he has to pull. How many times have we seen that? We just see we see Danny driving really well near the front, and then all of a sudden the camera angle switches to his car, and you're like, oh shit, he's going slow up. Oh. Yeah, smoke up, oh, pulling up, pulling yeah. over. 
it's over. And then how many times have we see him get on the, he's, you know, like there's the walk of shame. There should be like the scooter ride of shame and it's happening like every fucking race for Danny. Yeah. And the scooter ride the of shame, the scooter ride of shame is, is hard. Let's just mention that to our viewers is that yeah. when a driver um, crashes out or has a mechanical failure, um, there's obviously the, the stands are, are right up against the track. So they have to then get these yeah. drivers back to the paddock. So how they yeah. do that is they have various marshals, marshals have a, have a scooter scooters. or a motorbike. And yeah. unfortunately, the driver has to, you know, get on the back of that and be, you know, jostled by, by fans and whatnot and probably drive for a good couple of minutes after having their race just completely fucked up. And uh, it's it's really hard, the the, the, the scooter drive of shame. It's, yeah, it's it, very hard it, for drivers. It's hard. So they've been driving essentially like fighter pilots have been driving these multi-million dollar cars that are faster than anything in the world, living these like jet set lifestyle. And, uh, and then like, you know, something breaks down and they have to get on the back of like a Vespa driven by like some like part-time Marshall who's probably like a school teacher and they <laughs> yeah. drive by these and they drive by the fans. And it's just like, it's so shameful. It's yeah. just kind of like, I like the fact that I like Kimmy's approach, which is to just like <clears throat> hop over onto your friend's yacht and get drunk without yeah. even going back. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it was, it was, it was really sad to see. And I just, I, I'm, I'm sick of seeing him like seeing his body language, like just hunched over and dejected, you know? Yeah. And it's apparently it, he punched a hole in the wall in Austin. Did you hear that? Like after his retirement? I did not. No. Yeah. Uh, Christian Horner actually said he punched a hole in the wall. Yeah. Like that's how angry Ricardo is. I, I mean, it just seems, uh, it, it, do you know what? These DNFs, it, it throws up a very interesting mix for next year uh, when he makes that move to Renault. Yeah, no, it's actually, it's, it's, that's cool you bring it up. Um, so. Just, we know that after every retirement, Horner has been like, he's, he never hesitates to like slam Renault and say something about uh, his Ricardo's future employers. But like this race, you could really see there was a lot of... Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of empathy there. Like Horner was really, really crestfallen. His face was just so, uh, there was so much anguish on his face on the pit wall when, you know, after Ricardo's retirement. But like, oh, when he, he, he looked, he, dude, looked he, miserable. Oh, yeah. he looked so sad. Almost I, 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 like so he was going to cry. It's almost like he, he like let down one of his sons, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, and he has, honestly, he has. Like, well, they've known Daniels very, since very young. He, he can't was just, part of their junior just program. Point, yeah, you can't just point to Renault and say they're giving us shit engines. Like, I it's you. like, you're letting him down as a team. And it's, it's fucking weird. I know it's not, not deliberate, but it's weird that all this bad luck is falling on this one driver. And they're, you know, I would say they're pretty balanced. Like I'll Max has been what. doing better uh, recently, but they're, it's not like a team where there's a clear number one no. or number two. And I'll tell you what, Keon, if you look at um, like the McLarens have the Renault engines, correct? And then you have uh, the actual Renault works team. How many DNFs have they been having? Alonso's been finishing his races consistently-ish. Mm. Uh, consistently-ish. Alonso, Alonso's had a number of DNFs, but most of them are due to... Uh, children around him right. smashing into him yeah according that, to him yeah exactly so like his has been a mixture if, if let's say alonzo's had four or five dnfs a couple of those have been caused by like you said petulant fucking children yeah. but uh ricardo's have almost all been by a failure due to something where we're hearing renault engine or yeah, electronics it, so it, it just or goes, electronics or gearbox so I, I don't know if i'm buying like i said yeah, horner is singing this song of of you know slagging down his future employer like yeah, but but i don't I buy it i don't buy it i believe that it's an electronic issue yeah, no i agree i agree so that's what i'm saying know, i think i think horner can't just point the blame i think he's got to say uh, like that like the team is letting down one of their drivers so either they're not 
either there's a reason that it's happening mostly to Daniel or there is no reason. But like still, if you just aggregate the results and you say we have this many DNFs this year, it's not a pretty picture. No, it's not. It's not a pretty picture at all. But I so, so that was really it was really hard to see that. Like that was the worst part of the race for me. And like as much as I'm a fan of Kimmy and I liked seeing him on the podium again, especially right beside Seb. Uh, he inherited that position that really belonged to Daniel. So that kind of sucked. Um, so let's talk about um, other things that happened in the race of note. One thing was the Haas, well, both Haas drivers were just, wh- where the hell were they? I don't know, Keon. I'm still looking for them, actually. I don't know where the fuck they, they were. were. <laughs> scraping around in the garbage dump. Oh, dude, they were in a fucking f- somewhere. I mean, it was... Uh, yeah, yeah it was, they had it was, no pace. They had no pace. No, uh, they qualifying were or race. very, very unimpressive. And one thing that was surprising was Sauber had decent pace, but again, that's probably because of the altitude situation. But Ericsson, Ericsson was like driving not bad, which like shocking. Yeah, it is. But I, I don't know. I mean, Stoffel Van Doren making the points. Yeah. And Ericsson um, basically kind of being neck and neck with Leclerc. Uh, and like taking positions, like defending against Perez, and but you know what? It's kind of like like I told you earlier. Sauber does develop their car better, and they do hit a stride towards the last couple of races. So it's not surprising. I and I don't think because they 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 finished strongly uh, last week too. So I mean, Sauber. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that they're doing well right now. But I mean, it was surprising to see <laughs> Van Dorn in the points. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, def- I, I think it was surprising. It was not surprising to see Alonzo retire, but again, that was like, it's typically or almost always not his fault. I think in this one, there was contact in front of him and I think it was Ocon's wing that ripped off and flew towards him. And apparently he tried to avoid it, but um, and, uh, it, it broke like a hydraulics line or something. So there was a water leak and then yeah. there was like overheating in his car. I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why I was happy about it, Keon. Oh, because they're... Yeah, because, I tell, you know why, because now Alonso doesn't get the record for most laps in Formula One history. Yeah, so it's actually that impossible because he's got really two. happy. <laughs> I know, I know. I, 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 I was like you, the emperor, you know, just <laughs> gaining... Cackling. you were cackling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like cackling when he's like killing Mace Windu. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we just went down a dark path there yeah, for so, our dirty... Uh, so <laughs> so Alonso, Alonso could have, apparently, if he had finished this race... And or at least a lot of this race and the next two races, he would get the record for the most laps finished. And because he's already announced that he's leaving Formula One, he only has three races left. And because he retired in this one, there's not enough laps in the remaining two races. So he doesn't get to, you know, win that title. And I don't know if Alonso really gives a shit about these like weird uh, stats. I don't, I don't think he does. I think Vettel cares more about stuff like this. I know. I think he looked pretty pissed. I, I think he looked pretty well, pissed. Well, I think he's pissed just because, you know, he's his last few races have just been ended in, you know, but in that, misery very, 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 very close towards the beginning but of the But you race. see, that's not like a, a, a record that can be, that's kind of trivial, like the youngest or the most fastest laps that having the longest or the most amount of laps per for a driver that shows your longevity in a particular sport and and the influence that you maybe have so to i i would see that that i personally think that he'd be he'd be a little bit pissed but what kind of annoyed me or annoyed both of us was that one of the commentators said oh uh well at least for the foreseeable future to like yeah, kind of Brundle. say it was yeah, to it was kind saying, of say like well, oh it, maybe he's he gonna might come, come back, back. yeah like, 
And I'm like, and this is the same guy, Brundle. Oh, I guy. like Brundle. I, I, I like that he's there for the sport. I don't like him personally and some of his opinions. And he made those super snarky comments about, oh, oh like Kimmy. Oh, it's interesting that Kimmy actually wants to race for two more years uh, at a crappy team instead of giving, you know, younger drivers a chance. Just like, I'm like, just fuck off. He, Kimmy's like two, two years older than Alonzo. And then Alonzo's leaving F1 and Brundle's like, oh, that's only if he doesn't decide to come back. So you're telling me that he's going to come back. Say he decides to come back, not next year, but the year after that, which is as, as soon as it could potentially happen. He would be the same age Kimmy is now. And Brundle is like, advocating for that possibility meanwhile saying that Kimmy is like past it and should give up I was just like just yeah. shut up just shut I, up I don't Everyone, know if it was advocating I would just say that <clears throat> you know what I don't know if Alonzo really want uh, he announced his retirement from Formula 1 yeah, but that's no. because no one wanted him yeah all I gotta say is good riddance yeah no one wanted that and like to tell you what, that's that's you know why what? if he like, got so a, if he got a sniff at you, another lower ranked team, Alonso would take it. No, Alonso. no, no, no. Oh, a hundred percent. Like he, his ego's taken a massive, massive, massive beating at, at McLaren in this most recent stint at McLaren. Like he, he has sullied his name. And oh, essentially, yeah. he's destroyed. He's almost like ruined his own heritage. Um, it's it's his legacy is sour. You know, it's soured. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. He. A lot of people thought that um, Hamilton and uh, when Hamilton and Alonso were together at McLaren, that Alonso was going to finish off with a better, uh, like, reflective yeah. history. No, on- he's, he's not like <clears throat> so coming back right now. Like, if he if he came back into another team. Like it's not good enough. It's like you can't just you can't you can't just desour. You have to sweeten. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah so did. I was I was yeah I was definitely annoyed at that comment. But there are a couple other things interesting things happened in this race. Uh, one was, I believe, um, actually it wasn't even in this race. It was just brought up during the broadcast that uh, Bottas actually has the record for fastest laps set this year at five, and I was shocked to hear that. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like towards the end of a race and Bottas will set like the record lap for that race. I don't know where he pulls this uh, because I believe that he is one of the shittest drivers in that fucking uh, championship that, right that's now. That's a real word, shittest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It, it just seemed, uh, I, I don't know, it, it's funny little uh, statistic, isn't it? That uh, I, I, I think you said earlier today, uh, Keon, that Toto must be just scratching his fucking head going, why the hell did yeah, we sign like, this motherfucker yeah, for They must be thinking, especially with Alcon, uh on his way out of, of F1. We don't know for sure, but it, I mean, it's pretty, pretty close to being for sure. It's um, imminent, I the, think. Yeah, it's like imminent. And oh, like he'll have a, he'll just have to sit out for a year. Yeah, but like you're going to let Bottas drive that car and Ocon could have been driving that car. It's just, it's, yeah. it's shameful. Yeah, you know. And what, oh, let's talk about, yeah. And there are already some of the commentators are saying, oh, he's a good number two. So yeah, that just sums yeah, up. That means that like basically he's not like uh, destabilizing Hamilton mentally. No, yeah, it means he's not destabilizing and it means he's not a threat. When you've got the commentator yeah. saying, you know what, he's a good number two. It's mm-hmm. like the, the award for, you know what, you're really shit at playing soccer yeah. but here have an icy pop and a fucking Weetabix like. yeah so you know what was really actually kind of cool Hamilton did a little bit of a Bottas impression this race and he actually did it first he like locked up and got past 
and you know he went off and then like a few laps later the same shit happened to Bottas almost I don't know if it was the same spot and then uh Kimmy passed him I think right so it was that was a uh, very satisfying to see synchronized lockups <laughs> synchronized lockups by Mercedes <laughs> yeah you don't see it very often no yeah. the last time I remember you know, a double fuck up on their part was uh, Austria when they both, I mean, it wasn't even really the driver's fault, but like double DNF. Yeah. So another thing, um, another thing I want to talk about was um, uh, that really <laughs> such a bizarre, bizarre situation. Cause like after Hamilton, you know, comes in first, uh, whatever, finishes the race in, in fourth place and clinches the championship. We have this like radio broadcast and then all of a sudden it's this like familiar voice and we're all like, what the fuck is going on? And it was like Will Smith yeah. doing this like weird what motivational speech. I was, <laughs> I was like, like, I was scared, Keanu. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck was going on. Like it was scary shit. Um, I, and it was like, they didn't even say it was Will Smith until like halfway through it. And yeah, I was like, they put the caption of Will Smith, yeah. like towards the end it, of the it was, fucking, I can't even remember what they said. It was like Will Smith, famous actor or something like that. Yeah. Like, it's like movie star, movie star, Will Smith, fucking famous. Like <laughs> Jesus. It was, I just couldn't deal with it, man. I couldn't yeah. deal with it. And I, I li- at, the, at first I was like, who is it? Like the, why, who's this guy? And why is he talking like this? And it was like, I was thinking, is this Hamilton's dad? No, it's not Hamilton's dad. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's his brother. I'm like, no, no, it's definitely not his no. brother. What <clears throat> the hell is going on? It's kind of like And I'm happened. sure Hamilton didn't like orchestrate that. No, and I mean, it's kind of like what happened last week. I don't, I don't know if you remember. Um, oh, with the, 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 with in, the, the, in the studio, there was a guy where they start, and even uh, it came out that the commentators, they could hear it through their feed. I think you were saying, Keon. And it was yeah. this guy just going, Nero, Nero, making these like really yeah, the, the strange ra- revving sounds, yeah. race car revving noises of a Formula One. Yeah, he was one. making V10 noises yeah. actually, and and uh, it was just really strange. So to have that back to back weeks of having weird voiceovers on uh, the end, that post race, um, it was yeah, it was, that strange. was it was absurd, and and like. It was also very anticlimactic, and I'll tell you why. Because Hamilton did not make the podium, and he clearly wanted to. No one wants to win the championship and not be on the podium drinking champagne. Like, it's such an anticlimax. And you could tell Hamilton was so annoyed by the, that whole situation this race. Yeah. And, I, and so, like, uh, just to, to bring up something that you brought up during the race, you, you said that if you were in Hamilton's position, <laughs> you would deliberately crash yourself out <laughs> so that you would just put it off. You would put off the championship to, until till the next race. You had two more shots at it. And I'm like... I fucking stand you, by that. Would you, would you really do that? Yeah. But I get it, because, like, it just feels like... You know, the the wind has been sucked out of your sails. It's just like it it sucks to not actually go on the podium and like win the championship in fourth place. And what was it interesting feels was gross. And they uh, yeah, it feels kind of like cheating. And they and they uh, the interesting thing is they put up a sign, a little gold sign for like F one drivers champion. And it was like not in Park Ferme. It was like it was almost like a U turn, like when you're driving and there's like <laughs> yeah. a road detour and Hamilton had to turn to the right and park his car like off to the side. Yeah, and then he did a couple of donuts and then he parked his car. It was, it was, it was was fucking shit. I would seriously crash that motherfucker out. I would do a few spins in the process, light the car on fire and then (laughs) go and go, all right, motherfuckers, I'll see you next week on the podium. But I I just wanted to point one thing out in uh, getting a little uh, more serious. Um, Post race, I I, I usually like David Coulthard and how he interacts with the drivers. I've got a lot of of respect for Coulthard. And uh, I liked him when he was at Red Bull, when he raced and he was helping set up the 
the team. I, I think he's a really cool guy. But uh, and how he interviewed Vettel, Sebastian, in saying uh, this was literally moments out of he gets out of the car and he goes, so where did you think you saw the uh, championship <laughs> where, race where, slipping? Yeah, where did it all go wrong? Like, can you pinpoint it, please? That's and just Vettel, like, that's and a disrespectful I, I could, question. And I, I could understand how Vettel just, you know, Vettel was happily answering first and second question. Then he followed up with that third question. Yeah. And, and I could and see Vettel his body just language just yeah. go completely it out and it, goes, you know what? I'm not going to answer that now. I want to go congratulate uh, yeah, Lewis. Was, and then you saw them. That was classy. Uh, that yeah, was classy, yeah. Arm in arm. Um, and you could see that Vettel was whispering a few things I mean, into Lewis's ear, of, and it was nice. It was I nice mean, to see so that. So it was actually kind of cool because, like Vettel, he's not—he's not so much of a crybaby. And, and Hamilton can be a serious crybaby when things don't go his way. He can point the finger. Oh, I think he's, they're both crybaby uh, bitches. Like, okay, okay, they have. No, I would say Hamilton has has a higher crybaby factor. I, I, I think, think the crybaby threshold. But, but let me just let me just point Vettel. out that like Hamilton. <clears throat> is very good at being gracious when he wins. And he was obviously very, very gracious with, you know, accepting congratulations from Vettel. And they were both kind of embracing each other and being like very, oh, you know, what a touching moment between two like top drivers. But I, I do have to say that was a really classy move from from Seb. And it was also really appropriate and really awesome that he shut uh, Coltart down like that. Because honestly, yeah. that is like a, that is a kind of question that I would expect like not even from Paul Deressa, but like from Johnny Herbert. That's that's the kind of question. Yeah, I, I, I just like, you like for for Coltar, he's he's been doing this for a long time. How do you how do you ask something so completely disrespectful at the absolute worst time? Yeah, that's why it makes me think if he's got a little bit of a vendetta against uh, Vettel to ask that mm. type of question and kind of like yeah. embarrass him on the spot. Yeah. We, I mean, that's my little conspiracy theory, but like it just yeah. seemed like, you know, uh, there's plenty of time for Vettel. He's going to have to answer a lot of questions in the coming days about how his season was royally fucked up and how he did it himself, how it was partly mm. his team, whatever. But he's going to be talking about this for the the next few days and unfortunately that's how it's going to be but you know what let the let the man just congratulate he you know his uh his rival he's you know the one rival it, it's brought up a great rivalry that we haven't seen uh for a, a, a while for a really long time yeah, man. so it, it's, it's actually really see, nice it's really nice and the fact right. that they haven't had big spats like well because rivals. because Vettel Vettel won his championships when he was in a totally dominant car and uh, I guess Hamilton had won uh, before that, but and then also after that in the in the recent era. So they were never really overlapping in terms of being in an, an ascendant car until this season. So you know, Vettel and Hamilton gave us a really really good season, and they, they not did. just them. Like the Red Red Bulls were also really good. It was very close to the beginning, and it was it really wasn't until things started to turn for Ferrari, um, I guess, when it was in Singapore. After the summer break, yeah, yeah it was after the summer break. Or Monza, I think, might have been the, the... Yeah, so they have returned to form. Vettel drove brilliantly. Uh, Kimi won last race. Absolutely. Like, like, honestly, it's like they've really turned it around, but unfortunately, they left it a little too late. Yeah, like, I if, agree, Keon. If I they agree. had just, like, had a bad Singapore and then, like, bounced back, back in, like, Sochi... Um, Instead of taking Sochi and Suzuka to, to like figure their shit out, it would have been you know it wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't be in this position. So it, it sucks. Like they've, they but know. I mean I hand it to Vettel because he made a lot of mistakes this year. And some will say he threw away the championship because he was cracking under pressure. Maybe he can't handle pressure the way that Hamilton does. But he did give us a good 
He gave us a good season minus two races. Yeah, he done and he done well. And like you know what, we've still got a couple of years left before these uh, the complete rule changes. So right, you know yeah. what, I think that this is going to be interesting. I think this this is if Ferrari can maintain uh, their development, then I think we're going to see next year and the year after a couple of nice little battles for, yeah. the, for the championship between well, these two drivers who are amongst our this current generational crop of the last ten to fifteen years. It's Hamilton. And and, and Vettel that are, yeah. uh, are the two best. You yeah. know, they'll be remembered. There's nine championships between these two boys but and you, they are nowhere near to being finished yet. Right, right. but you also said that um, you believe what happened this year was not that Mercedes outdeveloped Ferrari, but that Ferrari overdeveloped their car. Yeah, I yes, I would say that they... When when you have to revert back to a uh, a spec that uh, was working before that, I see that I analyze that as as an overdevelopment. So they're trying to fix something that ain't broke. I think they should have been tweaking certain things, but it's like they just wanted to try and get so far ahead of Mercedes that they overdeveloped or tried to do. Whereas Mercedes were more just tweaking what they what they had, whereas Ferrari was overdeveloping trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, too much, and I, I believe that that's that was really the undoing of, of Ferrari uh, this year was an well, overdevelopment. Yeah, I think I think when there's like a, a larger gap between races, uh, the teams don't really know what the other team is doing, so they really try to get as much performance boost as possible. And they were in a really tight race, so I understand their desire not to just tweak and to really like make some breakthroughs, but. My, but they weren't, they weren't that far off the pace, Keon. No, no, they weren't, but they have to stay ahead, right? They, they, they yeah. have to keep pushing. And what I feel happened was they, you know, did they took a wrong turn. But the, the my problem is that they didn't discover this sooner and, like, retrace their steps. Like, it, it took them two, two and a half races to figure that out. It and took that's them the three races. It took them three races to figure that out, which is about a month, which is... Exactly yeah, where it's, it's where Hamilton yeah. yeah whereas where Hamilton won the world championship right, yeah. you can pinpoint just, that's yeah, exactly that's where Hamilton won got the seventy five points because they I dropped think, the ball and they couldn't recover quickly enough and now they've recovered and they really have like they were clearly superior to Mercedes today at they this race are hundred percent so. and it's going to be interesting to see because actually a little fact is that whenever Hamilton wraps up a championship Mm -hmm. except for his first one which went down to the last race but Mm -hmm. his uh, previous four uh, sorry, his last four, uh, whenever he's won the championship and wrapped it up a, with a couple of races to go, he actually has done very poorly in the races post the to that. One, yeah. yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Well, that's good news for Valtteri Bottas. Yeah, well, sorry, Valerie Botticello. Botticello. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, so, I, I, so, I, like, so that's a good segue because um, I don't know what's going to happen in the re- remaining races because we still need to find out. Uh, who's going to win the constructors? And obviously, it's going to be Mercedes. But it's still technically possible. I think that Ferrari could win because they're not like they're far off. But I don't think they're mathematically eliminated yet. If we get some double DNFs from from Mercedes, yeah. But what is, what is the what are the remaining races going to bring us in terms of? Um, mystery and excitement and intrigue and confusion. I tell you what, I, I this is what my take is on Keon, is that um, at Interlagos, Mercedes are quite strong in Interlagos, so we're going to see 
uh, and, and Ferrari's back in it. So we're going to see maybe a bit of a, a duel between Mercedes and Ferrari and seeing how well, uh, you know, they can duke it out. But then we go to Abu Dhabi where traditionally uh, Red Bull are very strong. So we're going to see some Red Bull action. So I'm personally, even though the championship has been wrapped up, we're going to have a bit of constructor uh, fights to mm-hmm. go on and we're going to see the Red Bulls come up again. They're not going to, I don't think yeah. they'll come up next week. The Red Bulls won't be really, really, really strong like they were they'll come up in Abu Dhabi which I think it's going to bring up for some I think we're going to have some good just old-fashioned racing and uh yeah well I'd I'd like to see Ricardo get another good result I would really like to see that I would love to see Kimi on the podium again I'd love to see Kimi win one more time in a Ferrari I mean that probably won't happen but if it does that would be you know fantastic um and, you know, I'd like to see the Renaults do something yep. interesting. I'd like to see really Verstappen cool. get uh, pole. Yeah, yeah, that too. That's <laughs> I true. I would just like just that. just barely missed it. Yeah, yeah I would like to see Verstappen get pole. So I, I think we've got, we, you know, we've got a, even though the, the championship yeah. has been wound up, I think it, it'll, these two races are going to show us yeah. um, what, they're, they're going to give us information. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. We'll have plenty to talk about in the remaining two podcasts. Yeah, it's going to be But it will good. be, there will be a lot of shit talk probably. Yeah, right. so be prepared let's for be more honest. Galactic Empire references. <laughs> let's, be, and let's be honest. But okay, so just to, to, to wrap up, I, I did, I did want to spend at least a couple of minutes talking about Hamilton. Um, he won this championship, and I think he won it, he won it on, on merit. And yes, Ferrari did mess up and took a couple of wrong turns, but it wasn't just Ferrari and their development and their bad strategy. It was also Vettel cracking under the pressure. And I would like to point out that Hamilton won some races that he should not have won. Yeah, and, and he put it on he, pole sometimes like his, where he shouldn't his put pole, on pole. His pole lap in Singapore was just ridiculous. And um, the one in uh, at Silverstone was unbelievable. Right, right. Like the, the situations where he didn't really have the car to do that. And when it mattered, he did it. And in Monza, the that, oh man, that the victory where he was just stalking Kimi the whole race and that all this Mercedes strategy, like he really drove tremendously this year. He made very few mistakes, very, very few mistakes. And he has shown that under pressure in uh, high pressure situations when it's really, really close. Yeah. He actually is able to like dig deep and do, I, I know it's a cliche. He cooks the bacon. It's Keon. a sports cliche. I know, but Hamilton is, he, he has the, he has the mind of a warrior, you know, of a real um, tremendously successful athlete and a fighter. And I'm not sure I'm not sure that Vettel has that. Vettel has raw speed and he has four championships to his name. But though, you know, those those years that he won the championship, I don't believe he had a fight on his hands the way that he did this year. Yeah, but, so, you know, so that's Hamilton only does, been the first year. I would say we're going to really see where... Vettel, I think I said this earlier, we're going to really see where Vettel matches up to Hamilton in these next two years where they've got competitive Mm. cars against each other. No, you know what's going to happen? It's not going to be between Vettel and Hamilton. It's going to be between Vettel and Leclerc. Yeah. That's going to be the real fight. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it's it, it's gonna unless it's Mercedes and Ferrari are basically on par, which is doesn't always happen. Like this year, it was very close. It might be 
more of a gap. Maybe Mercedes will falter, maybe Ferrari will falter, but I think Vettel's got a, a lot on his hands dealing with Leclerc next year, and uh, Hamilton oh. doesn't have to worry about shit because he's racing against Botticello. Yeah, I mean, it's good. And, like, going back to what you were just saying, like, Hamilton, um, I'm, I'm just glad that he's now getting the respect that he uh, that that he has because when he came on onto the scene, he, he was uh, criticised a lot, and I think even in a, in a uh, post-race interview today, uh, he's saying that he he spoke to Nicky Lauda, but early on, uh, Nicky Lauda didn't. He said like, yeah. he didn't have a very high opinion of him, and yeah. then they got talking, no respect, and Nicky yeah. was saying, you know, we're very much alike. So I, I think Hamilton's grown. And I'm I'm just glad yeah. that he's uh, now getting the accolades and the respect yeah. that he deserves because I've I've followed Hamilton quite closely when um you know when he started, and I I, I was living in England when he was crowned <clears throat> world champion. So it kind of. I, I kind of got caught up in that furor many years ago. So I, I um, my my hats off to to Hamilton. Um, yeah, he do, he takes like know, he doesn't have very very well done, and he, he uh, takes he's a lot a of flack. He takes a lot of flack for some of his like lifestyle choices and his whole like Playboy image and well, doing that all was the fashion earlier stuff. On, no, yeah. but but like despite all of that, he's able to do that, and he's still a tremendously successful racing driver, and he. Unless he's just been like had a really, really bad result and like right after the race he makes him say some stupid things. He is generally respectful and he's always congratulated. Like he is actually in a lot of ways he's a good guy. I know he whines when things don't go his way, but he's... he's but that's he's, athletes, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, what I'm trying to say is that he is fantastically successful. He deserved this championship for sure. And I believe he's got a really strong chance at... Um, I think he's a strong shot at equaling Michael Schumacher's record for I, a number of championships. I, yeah, and I hope he does. And you know what? You're not, you're not a five-time world champion for nothing. It, it, yeah, it, and, and it, the, it this, shows. Like, and so he basically equaled Fangio, and the only driver who's won more world championships is Michael Schumacher, which is just totally it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it's and I remember Hamilton's first season is just like this kid who just like waltzed into this team. And kind of like a British, you know, an English favorite on in an English team. And Alonso was not well pleased with that fact, with, with the fact that he had that fight on his hands. And no. Hamilton really, really, really did amazingly in that year. He done unbelievably well. Yeah, and that was that, that was just like a really, it was a sign of things to come. And Hamilton is now, what, 33, 34, like the second oldest, third oldest driver on the grid. And after Alonso leaves, he'll be second oldest. Um, yeah. and, and he's still know, got it, man. He, I, he's got at least... A few years left in yeah. him, and I think he could easily win the next two championships. And I may have point out that Hamilton did do some dark days with the car being at the bottom of the pack with with McLaren, right? Like Hamilton hasn't been completely. A lot of people deride Hamilton because he went straight into McLaren that had a championship winning car, but you know what? He almost won the fucking championship that year. So you know what? That that proves that that was a decision that was well made. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was then he stuck by McLaren, but like. Daniel Ricciardo, I think Daniel Ricciardo has probably modeled his decision to make that move to Renault kind of on, on Hamilton is that he, he, he saw that, yeah, McLaren weren't going in the direction um, yeah. <clears throat> te- uh, technology-wise where they needed yeah. to be developmentally-wise. So he so he made the switch and you could tell that it was hard for, for – Hamilton said that it it's was like a risky. family yeah. to, that he had to make that move. So And it was risky yeah. too. So you know what? Uh, my hat's off to Lewis. You're a, yeah. You are a champ. And he built well this done. team. He helped build this team. Is a, a, an integral part of this team, and it's as successful as it is today because you know largely because of him. 
And I really think he's got a good shot at, at hitting the seven. I know it's, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's only at five. But I do, I do think he has. He'll a, definitely a good be a six-time world champion before he retires. I'll, I'll yeah. say that. I'll put yeah. that on the table. Whether or not he makes the seven, he is may not make the seven <clears throat> before twenty twenty-one. But he'll definitely hit six. I think he'll keep going. You know, even if he gets another one and then he doesn't win in twenty twenty-one, I think he'll he'll keep going. But yeah. anyway, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. We've still got two more races. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows, um, Keon? It's it's going to be a lot. Um, Maybe, maybe it'll open things up. Maybe Vettel will start driving super aggressively because, you know, he doesn't have to worry about risking anything. Maybe maybe Kimi will, will you know, pull something out of his ass as well. Maybe he'll kamikaze into somebody in one of the last races. Like, it's really wide open, and yeah. I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. Hey, uh, we're Formula One fans, and we just love to see racing, and, uh, and we want to watch as much as we can. Yeah, so we will uh, see all you guys uh, next episode.